a story, fill up the pages, sing a little song, keep me around, keep me with you, right by your nightstand, keep me around, as long as you can. That's what we'll do. Welcome, everybody. We're back. We're back this time at a new date. It's not a new date because it'll come out the same day you always hear us, but thank you for sticking with us as uh, we were unable to bring you your usually scheduled event last week because our holes were so jammed full of buckwheat from a delicious date night in which we came back and just passed out instead of recording on account of the buckwheat. Yeah. And your car got a flat tire, and I had a job tests interview and a job interview, and there's a whole mishmash of, of stuff. Yeah, various <laughs> occult phenomenon that imp- impeded our ability to record. But <clears throat> here we are, and where are we? We're here on ADD Storytelling, a podcast in which we explore the myths and legends of our time, the past, the present, in no particular order, and sometimes with less than perfect focus. My name is Tucker, and as always, I'm joined by our beautiful, diaphanous, neurodivergent host, Maddie, sitting over there in the love seat, looking all sultry. What's going on today, Maddie? How the fuck are you today? I'm doing all right. It's morning, so I'm almost awake. Also, this is a large chair, not a love seat. Love can be large. <laughs> no, close yourself off. It's anything. one of those chairs where the 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 um, arms are slanted so I can sit in it in every weird way because being both pansexual and ADHD I actually can't sit in chairs like a normal person. Yes, this is true. <laughs> you can always tell where you've been sitting because there'll be many like small torn up fidget devices and various scraps of paper that you <laughs> tend to fiddle with and rip to shreds. You're accusing me of Crocor again. <laughs> I'm not accusing you of being who you are. <laughs> I just said accusation. Living your truth. You're Crocor adjacent is what you called me. <laughs> yeah, and I was lying because you're just full Crocor. I'm, I'm, I'm at least adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Crocor, what are we talking about today? Today we're going to talk about the African spiritual tradition of the uh, Yoruba tribe. Uh, the Yoruba from- tribe. Yoruba, yeah, from, Yoruba. like, Nigerian-ish area over there. Mm-hmm. Of course, this was pre, you know, colonialist yeah. death, so it's not exactly where, you know? It's yeah. like a little bit more. What is momentarily known as Nigeria, that area? You said we're talking about the spiritual practices? Spiritual traditions of the Orishas. Hell yeah. Um, and we're only talking about two, and they're related. But I was drawn to them in my ever quest to find mythology about femme and queer and things that have a sort of powerful being versus being, you know, like submissive and secondary almost. Yeah. So (laughs) these came up and they're amazing. And they have um, traveled across the world with the African diaspora, you know, in that way. As religion tends to do, or spiritual beliefs tend to do. Yes. So I wouldn't, would you call this a religion, or just more of a cultural practice? I think it depends on the person. Okay. 
and the area in which they found this these orishas because these are orishas could be um like living and walking among us they could be ancestors they could be gods and they could be all three at once i see so okay i was thinking for a moment the orisha was a title bestowed upon a living person but it's it's something outside of our corporeal bodies but so sometimes they entity. come and live like that you meet them on the street sometimes depending that kind of thing so it's like spiritual ancestors i guess okay so like spiritual greenpeace ambassadors that you would just meet on the street occasionally you know they're out there but sometimes they'll just show up trying to get you to save the whales while you're at walmart well so there's like a whole like origin stories and things and um like the beginning of the world's beliefs about the beginning of the world and the creation of the universe and things like that and then naturally these orishas are a part of that it's the it's the martha wayne of all spiritual beliefs you have to show have to show martha wayne getting shot at the beginning you also have to show how the universe is created so we're only talking about two of them and it's because i was just drawn to these two figures i suppose whereas like i did read a lot of the original mythology beforehand and i felt like it was beyond me like i felt like i couldn't comprehend everything that was going on i mean there's a lot of and so <laughs> and so i just focused on these two personages i feel like it's not uncommon for mystic or occult texts to kind of have a language that you really need to be living and breathing for quite some time before you can really understand what's being spoken about it's not as simple as just like reading words on a page there's a rhythm and a lore to it that has to be kind of experienced for a breath of time maybe we've got uua.org hell yeah we've got giramatan's wordpress sacred stories of the orishas uh, the UNESCO Heritage Site. Mm, with the gusto. Uh, worldhistory.org. Very good. Orisha, uh, sorry, Orishas, Goddesses, and Voodoo Queens, the Divine Feminine in the African Religious Traditions by Lilith Dorsey. And Yemaya, Orisha, Goddess, and Queen of the Sea by Raven Morgan. Or Morgan. <laughs> Not sure which. It's got an E at the end, so. Morgan. Maybe Morgan, yeah. So, uh, the two figures that we're talking about today are Oshun and Yemaya, and they're either sisters or mother-daughter, depending on which branch of creation mythology that you follow. Like Ted Bundy and his mom. Creepy. Or sister. Creepy. 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 Okay. Pretty much the same thing, though, right? No, I don't think so. No? Not even a little bit. No. So the first one we're going to talk about is Oshun. It's spelled different ways in different places. Uh, the one that I've seen the most often is O-S-U with a, a axonegu in, in French. I don't know. The one that goes up and then an N. And then there's also Osun. I don't know if even the pronunciation changes, but in Nigeria, O-S-U-N, O-X-U-M in Brazil. and the same thing in Cuba. Covering those bases. 
there's both tales and symbols. Yeah, as there often are. The symbols of Oshun. She is associated with the peacock as a symbol of transformation. And just being really loud and annoying in the morning. With the vulture, which is linked to death, yeah. rebirth, intelligence, and determination. Skunks as a symbol of self-determinism and protection. Otters huh. in playfulness and joy. You feel like skunks tend to exude an aura of self-determination? Determinism. Well, either way then. So let me rephrase that. <laughs> Do you believe that skunks exude an aura of self-determinism? Yeah, because... Everybody gets the fuck away, so they choose what they want to do and where they're going. I feel like that inhibits their choices. Mm -mm. If everyone's trying to avoid you, you're, you're going to have a few doors closed for you. Anyway. Otters in playfulness and joy, and butterflies and bees, both linked to fertility, happiness, and change. So beauty, love, money, fertility, honey, and gold. The Orisha Oshun represents all the good things in life. Okay. And, and vultures. So death. Yeah. Is Lots of things. Thing? Okay. All the good things. And death. Yeah. So she is a uh, river Orisha. And like many things, faith and worship of her had to be hidden in many places. Santa Muerte. Indeed. So like every other hidden stuff, a lot of times the Virgin Mary is used as a uh, substitute. Mm -hmm. Yes. The boat at the feet of the Nuestra Señora de la Caridad de Cobre, um, which is the Virgin Mary in Spanish, has now taken on its own little mythology as well. So like the boat at the base? Yeah, so there's like a painting with the Virgin Mary, and there's a boat at her feet, and that particular boat has a specific role in the hidden worship of Oshun. So it is said, inside the boat, there are three men, all named Juan. Okay. In the 1600s, they were in a boat off the shores of Cuba during a severe storm at sea where they found a statue of the Nuestra Señora de la Caridad de Cobra. Was it floating in the ocean? And they credited her with their survival, and she eventually became the patron saint of Cuba. That's interesting. Okay. Modern depictions of Oshun show her with a ritual fan and bell. The fan is said to cool your head so you're able to stay calm and focused. Her bells are said to ring out and help devotees clearly hear the truth. In addition to being in charge of love, beauty, fertility, and sensuality, Oshun is the Orisha of dance. Her ritual dances are coquettish and seductive. They're pouring everything into this one deity. Special costumes are made for the dancers in ceremony, which are traditionally in Oshun's ritual colors of yellow and gold. So, fun things in popular culture. Yes. Beyonce has used her image as one of her alter egos, especially in Lemonade. That is a fun thing. That's So, like, all those beautiful, um, fully golden images are... Referencing Oshun. Yes. Referencing. Also... There's a French duo comprised of twins Lisa Candé and Naomi Diaz, and the Diaz sisters appeared in Lemonade, which was full of Oshun sacred symbolism, like the music video itself. Mm. So their song, Ibeye, Ibeye, I don't know, I-B-E-Y-I. Their most widely known song, River, is a lyrical tribute to Oshun because she's a river Orisha. So 
That's interesting. So let's get into the tales of Oshun. Now that we have sort of the beautiful gold glittering image of this Orisha, a sensual dancer. A golden otter flanked by butterflies with a vulture's head. <laughs> that would be a combination of a lot of symbols, but I like it. <laughs> Holding a fan on a boat. Okay. With so, a gun. how she got the domain of rivers. How'd she get that ro- domain of rivers, though? The one Orisha who is never mentioned among these plots is Oshun. She is the youngest of the Orishas and is either the daughter of Yemaya or her younger sister, according to different versions of her story. At the beginning of creation, after Obatala was done with the initial work, Olodumare sent 17 Orishas to Earth to set things in order and to bring Obatala's work to completion. Ooh. 16 of these were males, and the 17th was Oshun. The males ignored her suggestions on how to make life beautiful, meaningful, and sweet, failing in their mission. Yeah, that, that's right. They were forced to humble themselves and return to Oludumare with the bad news and were asked where the 17th Orisha was. We fucked it up. We just made Totinos and <laughs> we put up this Pulp Fiction poster. I don't know. I thought that would make it look nice. Ah. <laughs> uh. I always think of the the um, the French Totinos thing with Kristen Stewart and uh, uh, the SML skit. Yeah, I know you That's do. Good. Okay. When they admitted to ignoring her, they were told they could not complete the work without her, and so again had to humble themselves and ask for her forgiveness. Oh, so gave now the you want my advice? Now you want my advice? Clean up this fucking place? You guys <laughs> tried to beautify into your fucking man cave you call Earth? Nah. Wasn't it for me? <laughs> this is a direct quote Maddie's uh, putting up in front of me on the monitor. Oshun gave the world love, fertility, and beauty, instilling the need for these things in all people, and so creation was completed. At this time, Oshun had no realm of her own, however, unlike the other Orishas, because she was so young, and all the other Orishas had their own sphere of influence. Oshun was wandering the world one day when her beauty was noticed by Ogun. That's the god of lightning? Uh, metallurgy. Oh, nice. Smithing. Yeah. Who pursued her. In her flight from him, she slipped into a river and was whirling away downstream when Yimeya saw and rescued her. Wait, so we just started chasing her? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, okay, so when they say, noticed her beauty and approached, it's cat called and started chasing after her. Yeah, she physically yeah, felt she threatened just, yeah, and yeah, ran yeah. into a river yeah. to escape him. That's the subtext here. Yeah, that's the what's not happening. so subtle subtext. Okay, yeah. Cool. Yemaya saw and rescued her, giving her the gift of sweet water and rivers as her realm, so she would always have a safe place to call home. Afterwards, Sweetwater LaCroix? <laughs> although Yemaya remained the mother of waters, Oshun presided over freshwater and specifically the Ocean River, which is a, a heritage site now. So that's cool. Oh, UNESCO? <laughs> mm. Oh, they've got a UNESCO site there. They do, yeah. Oh. Okay, so this is the story of how she is related to the peacock. Alrighty. The Orishas are gods that came originally from Nigeria and West Africa as part of the Yoruba religion. The gods traveled with African people who were stolen as slaves from Africa and brought to North and Central America. Today, a religion named Santeria is based off these gods and is practiced in Cuba, Brazil, and parts of Central America. Mm-hmm. 
Though stories about the Orisha may not mean the same to us as they do to Santorians, we can find great wisdom in them, and we are thankful for being allowed to share them. So this is based on a Santorian story. Olodumare, the creator god, sits far above in the heavens. And these names are all going to be Santorian names, correct? Uh, well, they're the same names. Oh, okay. I don't know if they're said the same way in different places. They're, yeah, they're probably different in Santorian. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't I was looking at YouTube videos and, like, Oshun and Yemaya were, like, the same, and other ones were not. So... I'm just going with. Just go and go with it. I'm just going, and then if you know you're knowledgeable in African spiritual traditions and you want to correct me, happy to have that. Or Santeria. Or Santeria. Yeah. Yemaya rules over the skies and lakes. She is called Mother of All and protects pregnant women. Shango rules over. Huh. Yeah. Shango rules over thunder, lightning, fire, and dance. He loves the drums and having fun. So Shango, like, the, the lightning god, is also a lord of dance. Yeah. Do Oshun and Shango have a connection on that front? Or um, just shared, shared interests? They have a shared interest. Oshun has like a bunch of relationships. So she's married and unmarried. A bunch of people. Yeah, classic fertility goddess. Yeah, she does what she wants. Yeah. Oshun is the youngest goddess. She is found in the sweet waters of the world, such as streams and rivers. She is also the goddess of fertility. Once, some of the Orisha decided they were tired of obeying Olo Dumar. He sat so far away. What did he know about running the universe? They had control over all things on earth. They thought he was no longer needed. Olo Dumara knew that the Orisha were rebelling. He could have struck them down, but he decided to withhold the rains instead. Without the rain, the earth dried up. The rivers, lakes, and streams ran dry. No crops grew. Animals were dying. Humans, too. The people cried out to the Orisha, Save us! What have we done to anger you? The Orisha heard their cries. They knew it was they, not the humans, that had angered Olodumare. They pleaded with him to bring the rain, but Olodumare was too far away and did not hear. They asked for forgiveness and promised to obey him again. But he was too far away and did not hear. Several of the Orisha tried to ascend in the, into the heavens, but they could not reach him. Oshun asked if she could try. The other Orisha laughed at her. How can someone so small and young do what her elders could not? Just go back to sitting there looking pretty. Oshun persisted. You should smile more, Oshun. <laughs> you should. Finally, out of sheer desperation, the other Orisha agreed that she could try. They did not expect her to succeed. Oshun turned herself into a beautiful peacock. She flew off towards the heaven. It was so far away that her feathers began to fall off. As she reached the sun, her colorful feathers were scorched and all the delicate feathers burned off her head. Yet she was determined to reach Olodumara as she, and she flew on. She essentially became a vulture. Yeah, that's, oh, so cool. When Oshun thought she could not fly another mile, she reached the home of the creator god. She collapsed in his arms, and he saw that the beautiful peacock had been transformed into a vulture. Hey, you called it! <laughs> um, Olodumare took Oshun and nursed her back to health. Your bravery and determination has softened my heart. I will bring rains. <coughs> the rains, sorry. Your I will creepy bring the little rains. bald head has really softened my heart. And he did. From now on, you, dear, dear vulture, will be the messenger of the house of Olodumare, and I will communicate only through you. Oshun, as a vulture, returned to earth and to honor and praise. 
Her gifts of determination and inner strength had saved the world. It's also a phoenix story, in a way. Yeah, it's a phoenix vulture peacock, peacock. story, which is pretty dope. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. I just don't know if peacocks are really known for their ability to fly. I was wondering if you were going to say that. Of course I'm going to say that. <laughs> I mean, if, with the rest of the story, it works. Actually, I don't understand why she didn't just start as a vulture. She's a divine peacock, so you can do whatever. That's fair. But yeah, I'm going to say it. Of course I'm going to say it. <laughs> Here is a tale of when another time where the, I want to guess, other Arishas were kind of dicks to Oshun, and therefore she has a consequence. So, <laughs> Arisha Oshun demands respect, and those who disrespect her have to seek forgiveness. To Afro-Cubans of that's the century. That's very Beyonce. <laughs> I understand why Beyonce was resonating with Oshun. Now. They believe that Oshun was so mighty and powerful, but her male counterparts do not think so. Real Jay-Z over here. One time, the male Arishas had an important meeting and did not invite her. When Oshun found out, she became so angry that she caused chaos in the world and made all women infertile. Well, that's not very Beyonce-like. The male Arishas could not do anything about it, so they sought help from the Creator God. And when he found out they had not invited Oshun, he also became furious with them. He said the only way they could reverse the world was to call another meeting and invite Oshun. In the book, The Altar of My Soul, The Living Traditions of Santeria, Santeria Vega says, Ola Dumare told the male Arishas that without women and children, the world could not function. Without Oshun, the world would always be in a state of confusion. Furthermore, it teaches us that the world would be in disorder as long as women and children are neglected, disrespected, and abused. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mitch McConnell. <laughs> this emphasized how important the voices, Alito. the decisions of women in the community matter and allows women to hold men accountable should they feel disrespected or silenced. Oof, this is poignant. What a week. It is powerful that Oshun is the goddess of immense love, but is also able to be rational and can also be destructive. Yeah, huh? She has contrasting characteristics, and in our world today, where women who are usually labeled as too emotional to be rational, Oshun challenges this and shows that knowledge can be emotional and rational. This promotes a new way of acquiring knowledge that allows both men and women to trust, express, and use their emotions when making decisions. It's super poignant after uh, this week of yeah, uh, time travel, Supreme Court decisions. So essentially, Oshun teaches women to slay. <laughs> Not only is Oshun sort of just a badass, she's also a ruler of witches. So oh. Oh, there's fuck. a mini okay. story here about her being the ruler of witches. So. I kind of wish this was the Maxi story, though. I know, but there's only a tiny one. Damn it. It came to be many years ago that a group of very powerful witches hiding in the woods had the intent to take over the world. They were menstruating females whose moon time had increased their strength and ability. Spice. <laughs> this made them virtually unstoppable. Their... Spice. <laughs> the Rishas had gathered and discussed how to best put an end to the witches' plans. First... The Arisha Ogun, in charge of water and iron. Sorry, war and iron. That's the same one. It's the metallurgy. Yeah, the metallurgy. War, war, iron, forging. Chasing women into rivers. Was sent to discourage them. The witches, however, were too powerful. And despite his massive size and battle skills, he was unsuccessful. Threw their diva cups at him until he left. 
Many of the other Orishas tried too, but they had no luck. Finally, Oshun took charge. She mesmerized the witches with her sensual dances and sweet power. <laughs> Hell yes. So, I mean, yeah, now you're speaking a witch's language. They immediately fell in love and yeah, began yeah. to follow her. She then took on an aspect as the queen of witches, and they are still following her today. And that council of the other Orishas that Oshun was left out of really made me think of like when Jay-Z went to make that like Spotify clone <laughs> to compete with it and invited like Jack White and Daft Punk and Eminem and Dre and all those other like industry leaders. And Beyonce wasn't in the photos. I'm like, oh, she should be there. That's what it made me think of. That's where my mind's at. Not only is she the ruler of witches and all things sensual, she has had many a marriage in which she enters and leaves upon her own will, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. So, one of her marriages, there's a tale of this. And this is um, one of the versions in which Oshun is the daughter of y- Yemaya instead of the sister. Long ago, Oshun lived in her mother Yemaya's house. Each day, she would go deep into the woods and dance and sing. Even far removed from people, she still attracted them with their sheer sensual power and magnetism. Mm-hmm. Every time a hungry suitor got close enough to speak to her and ask her to marry him, she would turn her back and dance away. It's the origin of the milkshake song. <laughs> Soon, scores of admirers followed her all day and all night. They would even appear at her mother's house looking for attention. Day after day, like horny more cats. and more appeared. They began to intrude on the space, trampling the garden, <laughs> ruining the crops, and disturbing the household. Finally, Oshun's mother could not stand any longer, and she burst from the house, yelling, Stop it! This is unacceptable! Get off my lawn! <laughs> I know my daughter is captivating, but this must come to an end. Leave Brittany alone. <laughs> Oshun's mother decided to devise a clever contest. She told the desperate crowd, all of you wish to have my daughter as your wife, but how can you do that if none of you even know her name? That's a good point. The one who learns her name will have my permission to truly be with her. That's the bar? I suppose, I mean, it would be more difficult back then. It I'm reminds me, actually, of the Popovu when they had to learn the names and order of the gods Yeah. to defeat the Lord of the Underworld. We've hit upon this theme a lot. It's a big... There's a lot of power in names. Yeah, knowing of names is really interesting. Anyway, the potential lovers did everything in their power to discover her secret name. Becky! <laughs> uh, Samantha! Uh, uh, Tina! They asked everyone in the village to no avail. Ashley? One of the suitors was Arun Mila, the Orisha of divination. Oh, well, that's going to come in useful here. Again and again, he tried to use his psychic powers to learn her name, but had no luck. Mm, I'm a wizard. Let me find it. Your name is Tiffany. No, no. I'm, the way you're looking at Victoria. No. Mm, hold on. Let me gaze into my orb. Stephanie. No, god damn it. Perusa, right? Perusa. No. Mm. <laughs> uh, mm, I'm a diviner. In the end, 
he turned to his friend Legua to help him learn the secret. Legua is an Orisha known for his ability to open doors. <laughs> find lost I know, things. I know it's not literal. Find lost things and just, create clever solutions to any problem. It's very, it just reminds me of, <laughs> I have that Lester Key of Solomon, like, grimoire book mm-hmm. about, like, the powers that one can obtain, through, and this is a very simplified version of explaining it, but powers one can obtain through, like, harnessing or summoning of specific demons. And I know it's like, it's not literal, it's very metaphorical in a lot of ways, but yeah, things like opening doors or finding great treasure wealth. And it's just, I know it's, they're placeholder terms, but my favorite one is there's a demon that allows you to run at 22 miles per hour. It's so specific and also not very fast. (laughs) And I I love it so much. Sorry, this guy can open doors and find lost things. And you create clever solutions to any problem. Elegua. He accepted the challenge to find the name of the most beautiful woman in the land. Beyond. <laughs> Nailed it. And see, then you, you got it. Elegua tried every trick he knew to learn the name. First, he disguised himself as a young child and played beneath Oshun's window, hoping to hear someone inside speak her name. Nothing creepy about that. When that tactic was unsuccessful, he <laughs> turned himself into an old homeless man and slept all night on her doorstep. Ah, the polar opposite all in the hopes of learning her name. He did this for many nights. Just when he was about to give up hope, he heard a large crash and yelling coming from the house. He looked inside to find the two women yelling. God damn it, Oshun, fucking decanter. Oshun had been practicing a new dance move, and uh-huh. one of her turns had broken a soup pot. Her mother screamed, Oshun, be careful. Legua quickly went back to his friend with this knowledge. Why didn't he keep it for himself? Well, he was tasked to help his friend. He was doing it for his friend, not for his own gain. It's a challenge. Arunmila was so excited to hear the results. Tell me, tell me, he pleaded. Ligwa described the hardships he had undergone to learn the name. Like, really, like, Mm. I went through a lot of effort. Please acknowledge this. I (laughs) I had to be a child and run around under their window all day. Then I had to be an old beggar and sleep on their uncomfortable doorstep for many nights. Please, 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 I must know. Arunmila responded. He was almost begging. Get, literally didn't even give him the satisfaction of saying thank you. Incorrigible. Finally, Ligwa said her name. Arunmila ran to Oshun's house and told her mother the secret name. Shortly after, they were married. It is said that for a great number of years, they were happy together. It is said, but it's they said. lie. Here's another story that's a bit more humanizing, where Oshun's with another person. Oh, and... that one was pretty humanizing. Well, you know. Goddess still has goddessy features. You know, she was dancing in the woods and attracted men from all around. Yeah, yeah scores. Right. So this is a more like human-y one. Murder of boys descended upon her in the woods. Oshun has a distinct personality and is capable of behaving badly, just like any other human, making her that much more relatable and lovable. She is the second wife of Shango, the first being Oba, which is the Risha of dom- domesticity time in the Oba River, and the third wife being Oya, the Arisha of Rebirth, Transformation, and the Niger River. In one story, Oshun becomes jealous of Oba, who has asked her how to make a special dish for Shango. Before preparing the meal, Oshun binds her head in a scarf, covering her ears. She then adds a kind of mushroom that looks like an ear to the dish she is preparing and serves it to Shango, who enjoys it. Oba, thinking Oshun cut her off her ear to make the meal, cuts off her own ear, 
in preparing it the next time and serves it to Shango, who is disgusted cool. and rejects the dish. Oshun and Oya then laugh at Ova's expense. Jesus. This is the more humanizing story. Right. So she's usually associated with noble acts and light and goodness and generosity. And having one ear. <laughs> so this is showing like that, that even the best the... can behave badly and encourage people to forgive themselves for failing. I feel like that would have been a symbol covered at the beginning. She didn't actually say that she cut off her ear to make the dish. It was like Ova made the assumption based on the shape of the mushroom, which is interesting, an interesting assumption to make, in my opinion, but, you know. <laughs> so those are a few stories of Oshun. I'd like to talk about the heritage site now, a little bit. So there's an annual festival that happens every year where people make a pilgrimage to the sacred grove and have a festival for their recess and things like that. So I'm going to read from the heritage site about why this site is so important. One story relates to how people settled by the Ocean River near the city of Osogbo. They're near Oshun's domain on the Ocean River, mm-hmm. and they're settling up camp and everything, and they keep messing up Oshun's shit. She's like, oh, I have things I'm doing here, and they're, like, using the river, and they're making a bunch of noise, and she's like, really, like, just calm down, like, don't bother me. Just go over there. And they keep not following her request to just be quiet and be chill, and she just... There's one story where she just washes them down the river, like, fuck off. She pushes them literally down the river. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then um, there's another one where they did respect her and honored her. And then in return, she promised them her protection and guidance and providence, which allowed the city of Osogbo to flourish. So the city name came to be associated with Oshun and is considered a sacred place of pilgrimage. So the Oshun Osogbo Festival is still held annually in her honor, during which people come from all over to pay their respects. I'm just thinking about that time we were sitting with a couple of friends at the the water uh, at Golden Gardens, watching the sunset, having a lovely time on the beach, and that person showed up with a boombox playing white rap and just like smoking cloves next to us. God, I would have loved to have been able to wash him into the sea. Yeah, if I, I mean, had, if I had that capability, it was like those kinds of people. Yeah, that we're not paying in. attention. I think a few of them were probably like, "Oh shit, that's a goddess. I should pay attention." But I think the original story where they're all being too annoying are probably like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> a weekend warrior vibes coming off this crowd. <laughs> in one way that she keeps her promise to protect and give them guidance, modern day pilgrims sort of heal their infirmities and illnesses in the river. So they go in the river, and they're granted fertility and healthy births, and they help. And she helps people with various challenges once they go to this pilgrimage site. So a century ago, there were many sacred groves in Yoruba land. So almost every town had one. Most of these groves have been abandoned or have been shrunk to small areas. But Oshun Osogubo, in the heart of Osogubo, which is the capital of the Oshun state, founded some 400 years ago in southwest Nigeria, is the largest sacred grove to have survived and is the one that is still revered. So it's one of the dense forests around the ocean sacred grove is some of the last remnants of primary high forest in southern Nigeria. I'll look up pictures of this while you're... And, uh, the spiritual abode of the river goddess Oshun, the forest sanctuary holds 40 shrines, sculptures, and artworks erected in honor of Oshun and other Yoruba deities, 
many created in the past 40 years. Yeah, I'm looking at them right now. Those are very cool. Two palaces, five sacred places, and nine worship points strung along the riverbanks with designated wow. priests and priestesses. This place is amazing. Also, Bo is now unique in having a large component of 20th century sculpture created to reinforce the links between the people and the Yoruba pantheon and the way in which Yoruba towns link their establishment and growth to the spirits of the forest. Oh my god, these sculptures are absolutely incredible. And the restoration of the grove by artist has given the grove a new importance. It's become a sacred place for the whole of Yoruba land and a symbol of identity for the wider Yoruba diaspora. So the grove is an active religious site where daily, weekly, and monthly worship takes place. In addition, the annual processional festival to reestablish the mystic bonds between the goddess and the people occurs every year over 12 days in July and August and sustains the cultural living traditions of the Yoruba people. How fucking cool. Ooh, it also is a natural herbal pharmacy containing over 400 species of plants, some endemic, of which more than 200 species are known for medicinal uses. The grove is considered to be a tangible expression of Yoruba divinatory and cosmological systems. And its annual festival is a thriving and evolving response to Yoruba beliefs in the bond between the people, their ruler, and the ocean goddess. The general aesthetic and uh, artistic liberty they have with the sculptures and the forms, very reminiscent of like Princess Mononoke and like the little forest spirits in that. Yeah, I do feel like Forest spirits tend to be, like... Rotund little folk? Yeah. A lot of the drawings of the little forest sprites are, like, round little thingies that hop around and have cute or weird faces. Very bulbous and big-eyed. Yeah. Or even, like, the little trolls and, like, elves and things are kind of, like, round and floppy, like Kirby. (laughs) Just... This is very cute. I was I was on board until we got to Kirby. Man. I just I was thinking of the the Mononoke ones kind of remind me of Kirby because they're really simple looking. But in Mononoke, they're kind of creepy because when they shake their heads, they make like a like sound, a rattle. Like a, a rattle sound, like yeah. a, mm-hmm. like that kind of sound. Very creepy. Love it. <laughs> okay, so let's go on to let's get gay. Well, yeah, let's go on to um. Yemaya, present in many different religions. She goes by many names. Yemaya, Lemanja, Jeanya, Yemanja. Megan the Peacock. Lots of things. Hers is a path of sacred tradition, fluidity, and innovation. I'm on a path of fluid. She is known as an Arisha, one of the divine forces that rule the universe. Many hear her sacred song of maternal love, kindness, and blessing. And as a reminder, she's either a mother or sister to Ashun, depending on the story. That was like a scene in an anime when they do a fl- flashback in black and white to something that literally happened in the last scene. But it was a good reminder. So among the Yoruba people, she is also called Yamoja, which is said to mean the mother of fish. Oh, yeah. Here she is viewed as an ancient Orisha, existing almost since the beginning of time. She is seen to have birthed all forms of creation. She is the protector of all women and children and all their concerns. Legend tells us that when enslaved Africans were taken from their homeland and forcibly placed on ships, many had never seen the full expanse of the ocean before and believed that it would swallow them up. These individuals prayed to Yemaya to save their lives. When they finally reached land, they kissed the ground and said, Oh my Yemaya, wait, oh my Yemaya, there we go, thank you. 
The story may have evolved in response to the chant for Yemaya and Yoruba, which loosely translates to the water of Yemoja. So yeah, that's a thing. So she is the foam of the ocean, while her counterpart, Olukun, represents the depths. She's shallow water. Yeah, so she's technically all water, but... Ocean water, uh, salt water specifically? Yes, ocean water, and she has domain over all water, but she did share that domain with Oshun for rivers and such. Yeah, and if we're, if we're considering her to be, like, you know, half and half, but the mother of Oshun, that would stand a reason that the mother of the river deity would have control over everything. It's kind of being distilled down as they go. Right. So, Olukun is like the deep depths of the ocean, and that's the main part of her deity that's considered to be very queer, because Olukun um, is half man, half serpent. So, and they're being counterparts, so shifting between one form of being Yemaya and the other form being Olukun is like the shifting of gender and expectations and things like that. So going back and forth. Fluidity. Yeah, fluidity, of course. And they're all water, so that makes a lot of sense, too. Real prey to Rikard. (laughs) Yes. So exactly, the fluidity. So let's talk a little bit about your queer connection that you asked before. Let's talk a little bit about the queer connection that I asked about earlier. And this is from the perspective of Raven Morgan, or Mergain, the one that wrote the book, The Orisha Goddess and Queen of the Sea of Yemaya. Tell me about this wet queen. While most of Yemaya's aspects are decidedly female, Olukun is usually seen as being very masculine or androgynous, whichever he chooses to be. But would you say that generally he's a wop? He's a <laughs> wet-ass python? The relationship between Yemaya and Olukun becomes a beacon for marginalized members of the community of non-binary and heteroflexibility, things like that. Yeah. This pair of dual aspects, Yemaya and Olukun, becomes sort of a beacon of hope. So they feel like them, they love like them. It represents a source of divine love that understands and welcomes non-binariness without judgment or conditions or condemnation. And this is Snake Man? Mm, yes. Okay. Orishas who inhabit multiple realms or who are shapeshifter-like are often thought of as belonging to all genders. So that's cool. The ones in the liminal space kind of go where they please? Mm-hmm. So many They're devotions, not bound to a sphere of influence or like bound to a binary mode of being. They can be what they want, or they want. Right. Fuck yeah, RuPaul. Because of this affinity, both Yemaya and Olukan have a special place of honor among queer devotees who find a welcoming home within this aspect. Many members of the community wish to have children. Some adopt to fulfill that need. Is Jonathan Van Ness in Arisha? <laughs> Some engaged surrogates that carry and bear a child while others arrange for one partner to play that role. And they're speaking mostly of children and mothership because, or parentship, I guess, guardianship. Stewardship. Because uh, Yemaya is considered the mother of yeah. all. So to have that aspect, to want to be a part of that, is to commune with Yemaya. Matriarch of women and children, right? Yep. Or like not matriarch, guardian. Like exactly. we said earlier, like a tarot. <laughs> I just only have three tales. Only three? Yes, even though there are many, many. I've only chosen three to go with this episode theme, I suppose. I hope they're really gay. (laughs) 
The first one is the relationship to Oshun. So here's one. It is I don't know that- if you caught it earlier, but I did make a great Megan the Peacock joke, and you didn't say anything. I think I missed it. Yeah, clearly, because you didn't bust a gut. <laughs> so I'm going to give you another chance here. Here on one, two, three. Megan the Peacock. <laughs> it is said that when Oshun was born, she had a white dress. White clothes are customary for those. You're going to get that dirty if you're wearing that at birth. I'm just going to say. not the, white, white at birth isn't a good call. White clothes are customary for those in all of their Orisha-based faith. Ah. One of the characteristics of this Orisha is that she is renowned for her cleanliness and takes great pride in her impeccable appearance. Oshun spent much time tending to her flowing hair and admiring her beauty in the mirror or in the river where no mirror was available. Gwyneth Paltrow. A queen among queens, she ruled over her subject with beauty and kindness. After a time, a violent war erupted in the land, and Oshun was forced to flee her beloved kingdom. Oh. It was not long before Oshun was destitute. She was forced to sell her fine jewelry to survive. She had only one dress, and it was white. She had no choice but to wash in the river, and it began to yellow. Her days and nights were filled with extreme sadness and anxiety. Due to all this worrying, her hair began to fall out. Each day she cried at the river, longing for all she had lost. Fortunately, her cries did not go unanswered. At the end of the river, where it meets the sea, was Oshun's sister, Yemaya. This is where she's a sister. Yemaya longed to help Oshun in her time of need. She reminded her that despite everything, she was still a queen. She saw Oshun's yellow dress and proclaimed it would now be gold, and all the gold in the land would belong to Oshun as well. This was along with all the coral from the sea. Riches and finery would soon be hers again. Yemaya also noticed what had happened to Oshun's lovely hair. She immediately cut off half her hair and fashioned a wig for Oshun to wear until her own tresses had the chance to grow back even stronger. Yeah, bald is beautiful. Own it. The love between these sisters is truly legendary, and they will always do their best to support one another. That's a really sweet tale. In addition, Oshun left later left her children to be raised by Yemaya. More concerned with having fun and being free than she was with motherhood, Oshun seems to feel that Yemaya can do a better job of raising her offspring than she can. Eh, that kind of sucks. But, you know. You think? Gods being gods. I think it's a, if a it's community a sh- child-raising thing. Because she comes and visits her children, right? But then it's like her main guardian is someone that actually can really pay attention to them and, like, love them. Sure, but it's not like... I don't know. I feel like this is okay for gods because they're not really constrained by the same you know mortal limits that we are but like just on a human level if the reason you need to uh, i feel like if you need to give your kids into a like a community like guardianship kind of thing and it's because of like mental health or uh, an unsafe environment or any of these other kind of conditions that might make it so that your kids aren't getting their best kind of life that makes perfect sense or if you're just not like emotionally able to do it but just because you like to party that sucks <laughs> Oshun you can tone down on the partying for your kids and be there Oshun you don't have to party well it doesn't say anything about partying I it's thought it a, said it's like, dancing and she's more concerned with be- her free spirit yeah no come on Oshun well no leave I that behind when you have I kids I don't agree with you All right. I think that like if you're going to you have children and you're like I can't give my children what they need, but I can 
give them to someone who really wants to raise them and care for them, but I can still be a part of their life in a positive way instead of being the one that's like dragging them down all the time because I'm, I'm more concerned with my own things than I have other things to do. Then I think giving them to a loving guardian instead of doing that is better. That's the beauty of conversational podcast. A dialogue. We don't need to agree. You know, you know, I think some children would be happier if their parents didn't have a hundred, like if their parents were like, I'm going to give you to someone that wants you more than what, and I then wanna, instead of just being selfish and horrible, their I want to be with my being parent. bad parents. They have a loving sister. I don't like want to live with my aunt. aunt. I, I mean, your aunt, sure. No, Annie, I don't, Yumiya's me. I don't like Yumiya. That's salty. <laughs> Whatever. Frothy, frothy. We can ad- we can agree to disagree. I, I feel that's like what I said. people shouldn't have children unless they want them. That's what. That's I mean. what I'm saying. Initially, if we were going to be retroactive, we shouldn't, shouldn't have had them kids. Well, yeah, maybe she shouldn't have had the kids, but my, that, maybe that's not an option. Yeah, that's fair. So this is probably the next best thing. That's okay. true. I will concede that. So Yemeya has also been married to other husbands, multiple people, whoever. Wherever the wind may blow, if you will. Well, the sea, I guess. Wherever the sea may blow, if you will. Including uh, the father of the world, the god of prophecy and def- divination, the god of agriculture, the god of health and healing, the god of erupting volcanoes, and the one that heals the hand and supports the elderly. So they're, they're all different Orisha gods that she's been with. Damn, she's been a, got a cool uh, resume of hunks. Before Oshun, the youngest Orisha, walked the earth, it was Yemaya who fell prey to the lust-filled eyes of those who wished to possess her. But the ocean cannot be possessed. That sucks. That sentence sucks. But the ocean cannot be possessed. And true to her nature, the tides of Yemaya's heart turned, and she grew bored with her husbands one by one and left them, returning to her ocean domain. This is true. We learned this in the third Pirates of the Caribbean movie. I t- so, when <laughs> I was reading this, I'm like, oh, goddamn, that's what they were trying to do. Yeah. Without tra- any acknowledgement to yeah. the, anything that they got it from, which they is such a Disney su- white person horrible thing to do. They could have made that really interesting. They could have like, made it so interesting. It could have been a whole uh, investigation into like Yemaya and like the. It could have been really cool. No, like, her name is Calypso, and she turns into a million crabs. Right. It could have been. It could have been so cool. Just like also if, um, you know, if they were just like actually having sex like they would because they're pirates and not any sort of British anything and they don't need to wait for whatever that it would have been a way better movie I'm just saying like all their relations for problems would have been solved yeah (laughs) it's it's just a waste of time for everybody anyway Mm -hmm. we're getting back to something important Mm -hmm. which is Yemaya yeah Calypso you mean (laughs) another story describes Yemaya's complicated relationship with the Arisha Inle Yemaya had many relationships in her time, and a particularly interesting one was with this person, whom she taught the secret art of divination. Despite Yemaya sharing her talents with Inle, in the end, he abandoned her. Filled with rage, she cut out his tongue so he would not be able to share with anyone else the knowledge he had gained from her. I'll do it. She quickly regretted that decision, but the deed had already been done. (laughs) I got a little carried away. Sorry about that. From that time forward, Inle was only able to speak to others through Yemaya's voice. So that's interesting. They gave it sort of a god end at the end. So, like, he could still speak, but only in her. Oh, I thought I 
took it as he could speak through her. Yeah. So, so there's lots of ways speak. to in- oh, yeah, interpret okay. it. So that's why it's interesting. So it is. Yeah. Last thing is the children of Oshun and Yemaya, both of them. So when the children of Yemaya and Oshun were being imprisoned and taken away on slave ships to be sold in the New World, this alarmed Oshun so much that she ran to her sister, the Oshun mother. When she arrived at Yemaya's palace, Oshun's eyes were swollen with tears. She begged her sister to intercede and help look after her children in these strange new lands. You are the mother of compassion and mistress of miracles, the mighty queen of witches. You must have a way to help me. Oshun is also witch queen, so say, maybe they're just going they're back and forth. They, maybe they share a lot of aspects, which would be interesting. Seems like they do. Yemaya thought about this for a moment and said, I will give you a gift that will allow you to travel in the rain and waters so that you can follow your children. Oshun seemed happier after that, but soon she began to worry. She looked at her dark skin and black hair and again turned to her sister. Sister, you have traveled all over this world in the waves and rain. Surely you must know. Do all the people there look like us? Do they all have our dark skin and hair? No, little one, Yemaya replied. There are many differences across the world. Some people are pink-skinned with golden hair and eyes and blue as green as my seeds. Others are red-skinned with their black hair as long as straight and smooth as silk. Some are brown like us in every shade. And some are Danny DeVito. <laughs> but what if the people won't accept me, she asked. I may not be able to stay with my children. Yemaya could hear the great sadness in her sister's voice and thought for a moment. Then she took a sea sponge and dabbed it all over Oshun's face and body. As she did, her skin became a lighter shade, somewhere between brown, red, and pink. Oh, a blending of all races. Oshun smiled as she admired her new honey complexion. Next, Yemaya picked up her own silver brush, which was decorated with mother of pearl and coral, and began to brush her sister's hair. With each stroke of a brush, her hair became longer, straighter, and lighter, until it cascaded like an auburn waterfall in soft waves to her waist. Oshun's tresses now rivaled the length and beauty of Yemaya's own. And now, little one, no matter how far you travel or where you settle, all people everywhere will see a little of themselves in you. You will be accepted in every country of the world what that treasures love and beauty, and you will never have to be far from your children ever again. So with that, Oshun traveled wrapped in the rain, following the slave ships that held her people. They led her to Cuba, where, thanks to many of Yemaya's magic gifts, she settled and became the matron of that country. So that's interesting. I feel like it's implying that she can change her appearance at will. Yeah, or it's kind of an illusory spell that's been cast upon her where she looks a certain way, but to whomever gazes upon her, they will see aspects of their own. Right. So they'll see her as appearance. belonging, whoever looks at her. Yeah. Which I guess is a way, that seems like it's a way that people can see themselves of being like of mixed heritage and being like, oh, like I still belong, like the goddess mm-hmm. can be that way. And also, no matter where you go, everybody has... A part of this Orisha. Yeah, it's a part of them. It's a connection to the full diaspora. Yeah. It's interesting. Wherever you go, I will be there. No matter what you look like, I'll be there. Yeah, so most of the stories that I found of Yemaya um, from this book were sort of about the diaspora, uh, which is cool, but also sad. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so 
those are small portions of the two Orishas, Oshun and Yemaya. And super interesting. I read a lot more of their background, like before I made this episode, and I just chose certain things that kind of went with one theme, but there's so much more. It, I would really recommend both of the books. Um, the one by Lilith Dorsey and the one by Raven Morgan. Morgan. Yeah. Both really good. Well, awesome, Maddie. Thank you for that. That yeah. was a delightful way to start the day. My tea is empty, but my heart is full. <laughs> and now we're off for another adventure. Friends and folks that are listening, Maddie is about to start playing Elden Ring when we stop recording. I mean, maybe. I don't know. It's, it's Here we go. Ring. No, you can't <laughs> back down now. Yes, you can. Because you can do whatever you want. Yeah. As we've learned, the, the divine femme power, I can do what I want. Yeah. <laughs> I have role models now. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you. Please email your favorite tales of anything, but I'm, you know, of these two goddesses, if you've met them on the street, if you've worshipped them for some time, if you know secret origins. Email those to us at addstoryteller at gmail.com. Or you can slide them into our DMs on Instagram at addstorytellingpodcast. Exactly. We're also available on Anchor FM if you want to support our podcast through subscription type things or if you just want to tell your friends. We'd love to speak to everyone, so tell who you know. I think I'm going to make a Truth Social account for us soon, so we'll be there. Cool. Yeah, is that is that cool? I don't know what that is. But okay. It sounds cool. Well, I'll tell Maddie when we get <laughs> off here. I'll tell Maddie what Truth Social is. So <laughs> it's it's Trump's Facebook. Oh, well, let's not do that. Okay, no. I mean, I don't think we'll be popular there. I don't even know if that website's running. I think <laughs> I don't think it's doing great. I have no idea great. what that is at all. I was totally out of the blue. I envy you. Just went right over I my head. Envy your. I know. Yeah, you're like cool. Yeah. <laughs> Catch us on truth. Nice. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye.